Hi there, good morning. Welcome back to the Christopher Gabinetta Show. I just did a um, review of Michael Cohen's podcast. This is it. Mr. Cohen, who is Trump's old fixer and personal attorney, knows him better than anyone. Michael Cohen intimately knows the Nazi playbook employed by Trump constantly. So he can guess so he can guess accurately what Nazi face will do next, so we can catch him at his own game. This makes Cohen a superb commentator, absolutely necessary listening. If you like me would love nothing better than to see Mr. Nazi face dump Trump in an orange jumpsuit behind bars where he belongs, not terrorizing our country. In fact, Maricopa is one of the main subjects of my podcast, Christopher Gabinetta. We listen we listen together and I interact and react as if Michael Cohen were on my show. In fact, I have invited him to be on my podcast and or to be on his podcast as I'm running for Justice of the Peace, Senate, Sheriff, and POTUS 2024. I'm going re- to read it one more time because I kind of messed up. Mr. Cohen, who is Trump's old fixer and personal attorney, knows him better than anyone. Michael intimately knows... The Nazi playbook employed by Trump constantly, so he can guess accurately what Nazi face will do next, so we can catch him at his own game. This makes Cohen a superb commentator, absolutely necessary listening. If you, like me, would love nothing better than to see Mr. Nazi face dump Trump in an orange jumpsuit behind bars where he belongs and not terrorizing our country. In fact, Maricopa is one of the main subjects on my podcast, Christopher Gavinata. We listen together and I interact and react as if Michael Cohen were on my show. In fact, I've invited him to be on my podcast and or to be on his podcast. As I'm running for Justice of the Peace, Senate, Sheriff, and POTUS 2024. Anyway, let's get started. This morning, we're going to be listening to podcasts about... Um... How the GOP plans to sow sow chaos in the 2020 midterms. And a conversation with Norm Eisen. Okay. Today, it says, today we welcome back to Mea Culpa, the one and only Norm Eisen. Norm is an attorney and author who has served in many government roles, including special counsel and special assistant to President Barack Obama for ethics and government reform. In that role, Eisen was dubbed Mr. No and the ethics... Czar. Join us on Mea Culpa as Michael gets the scoop on the January 6th committee's planned elect, uh, planned actions and intents from Norm Eisen. Okay, attorney and author. Okay, so let's go. I'm going to go for a bike ride. This is my Mea Culpa. Now, my grandma loves me and would do oh, no. anything for me. But if Shit. I ran out of gas in the middle of the oh, night, she would not be the first person. Okay, anyway, thanks for uh, almost 10,000 listeners and, and subscribers across social media. And um, call Congress. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Arizona and KPYT Pasquayaki Chad on the res with Trista. This is stolen colonizer, colonizer stolen land. 
my properties aren't actually it's uh, stolen from the town of Arthur. So I have I'd be happy to be uh, one of the first person to bequeath. Oh, here we go. Bequeath land back as part of a land back movement. My mea culpa. This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Hi, Podcast. When I watched Joe Biden give a speech like the one he gave Thursday, pleading with Congress to enact safe gun laws because of the huge toll that mass shootings are taking on our country, yeah. I see a man doing Assault his level's best to move us in the right direction. He projects a straightforward, old-school patriotism that, it. like him or not, you can respect. I've been in this fight for a long time. Because the NRA gave... I know how hard it is. ...bribed our officials with $30 million. And if Congress fails... I believe this time a majority of the American people won't give up either. I believe the so majority of you will act to turn your outrage into making this issue central to your vote. Enough, enough, enough. What I don't see is a cult forming around him of half-witted fucking sycophants begging to lick his boots and call him daddy. What has happened to the Republicans is perhaps Donald Trump's greatest grift. He has corrupted the entire party, taken their conservative values, and flushed them right down his fucking gold-plated toilet, both morally and ethically bankrupted every single branch of government that he touched and robbed the people who worship him of what's left of their God-fearing minds. The cult of Donald Trump is uh, best described as him, first of all, as the absolute leader who Uh demands total obedience, who has a malignant narcissist personality, Uh which is the stereotypical profile, by the way, of other cult leaders. Trump is a cult leader like none other. He likes the money, sure, and he likes the power, too, but chaos is his brand. Which might explain how far-right shitstirer Steve Bannon's precinct strategy has gained so much traction so quickly. The GOP is reportedly preparing to sow chaos in the 2020 election by creating an army of poll workers and Republican lawyers to challenge voters in Democratic precincts, targeting specifically black black and low-income neighborhoods. According to Politico, the Republican National Committee has been recruiting and training poll watchers to contest votes and build a network of party-friendly attorneys to back them up. In a stunning piece of reporting, Politico has uncovered tapes of Republican operatives strategizing on how to overturn votes in Democratic precincts. The idea uh, is to install party-trained volunteers prepared to challenge voters at Democratic-majority polling places. And then to back up those party-trained poll workers with a, quote, army of party-friendly lawyers. Those folks are largely QAnon, uh, election deniers, Which folks who think the election was corrupted, who are now going to be trained as poll workers, sitting there having their hands on the ballots, taking in the information from the voters. All this is a direct result of the big lie. Republicans believing that Biden 
who stole the 2020 election are now more than happy to take matters into their own hands. This fight fire with fire ploy illustrates the extent to which the GOP is willing to compromise our free and fair election process to get their own desired candidates into office. The scheme goes like this. RNC trained poll watchers and precinct officers posing as civic-minded volunteers will intervene to block vote counts at their precincts and then call lawyers who are on standby to shut the whole precinct down, leaving the outcome to be litigated in the courts. Judges will then become the last line of defense, calling elections like balls and strikes because the actual vote count will have been totally corrupted. And this is the thing about Republicans. They're not deterred by setbacks. They tried to steal the election last time, and and what happened? Everyone laughed at them. And they could have given up, up, you know, and tried to win the election based solely on the strength of the ideas. But no, they got up. They dusted themselves off and they said this time we're not going to need to overturn the votes because we won't count them in the first place. And let that be a lesson, kids. You never give up on your dreams. Again from Politico, it goes without saying that enlisting election deniers to exert influence over the voting process poses a major threat to the democratic system. You think? But it's only one of the many Republican plots to try and invalidate Democrats and independents' votes. As if gerrymandering and rigged electoral maps weren't enough, in the wake of 2020, unnecessary anti-voting laws sprung up all over the country. And giving new meaning to the term sore fucking loser, GOP candidates like MAGA disaster Doug Mastriano has already said that he will not respect election results unless he wins. And so if Doug Mastriano were to become the governor of Pennsylvania, he'd be in charge of certifying the results of the 2024 presidential election here. And that is where potentially we are looking at electoral chaos in the situation that, you know, let's say a Donald Trump, uh, if he were to run again uh, and lose, and he would not validate Joe Biden or another Democrat's victory here, we are talking about a very complicated moment for our democracy here. Election denier and co-plotter Cleta Mitchell has been leading seminars on election integrity in Pennsylvania and other swing states, telling trainees, we are taking the lessons we learned in 2020 and going forward to make sure they never happen again. Mitchell is now prepping for the midterms, working with the RNC to recruit election conspiracists to monitor elections. The only way they win is to cheat, says Cleta, which is rich considering the source. President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, the day after the election, I was in Bozeman and he called me and asked if I would go to Atlanta. And so I went to Atlanta and I began to work on just looking at what had happened and what What became clear to me and our little band of volunteer attorneys uh, was that the election had been conducted in violation in many in violation of many many uh, of the Georgia statutes and we ended up putting together and filing a 64 page election contest in which we identified over 30 categories of illegal votes that had been cast and counted and were included in the certified total and there were many more illegal votes than the margin of difference between President Trump and Joe Biden Once a liberal Democrat in Oklahoma Kalita Mitchell morphed into an NRA loving arch conservative election hawk 
She and these lawyers should be disbarred. Clarence's wife has been running around the country trying to get the 2020 election decertified and blaming the Biden administration for keeping the truth behind the 2020 election hidden. Apparently, she can't handle the truth. But look for Cletus' testimony during the January 6th hearings next week. That is, if she doesn't defy her subpoena. They'd like to ask her about the phone call that she and the former president made to Brad Raffensperger, Georgia's Secretary of State, asking him to find just 11,780 votes. I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. This year alone, 27 states have introduced or enacted, listen to this folks, 250 pieces of bullshit legislation designed to restrict voting rights, according to the Brennan Center for justice, all on the grounds that the 2020 election was stolen from them. Boo fucking who? It doesn't matter that there was no evidence of voter fraud and that Trump's defeat is undisputed among election officials and certified by Democrats and Republicans with recounts and audits verifying the outcome. Even fucking Bill Barr didn't find evidence of fraud. I mean, really? Trump lost more than 50 of his post-election challenges in court. It's not even up for debate. It's just a fucking fact. Well, backing the big lie has become a must for those wishing to secure the endorsement of the most powerful man in the GOP, Donald Trump. According to the Washington Post, at least 163 Republicans who have embraced Trump's false claims of a stolen election are now running for statewide offices that would give them authority over the administration of elections. Which is why and they need to be disqualified for sedition and insurrection. at the Capitol on January 6th. But voters are having a rough time in Georgia. Nonpartisan election officials are being stalked and threatened by rabid Republicans who call themselves the Green Party, as in the Marjorie Taylor Green Party. Black election boards who have been running elections in GOP stronghold since literally since the civil rights era have been kicked out and replaced by white nationalists and spineless weasel governor brian kemp is so terrified of his democratic rival stacy abrams that he's cut the number of ballot boxes in half and is giving state officials the power to override election officials so, if he doesn't Fucking like an terrorist. outcome, he just sends in his guys to overturn it. So Texas says its new voter suppression laws are there to maintain purity at the voter box, a term used during Jim Ethnic Crow purity, to keep black no people from voting on the grounds that they were unfit to cast a ballot. Missouri and Oklahoma have enacted new laws that could easily create a pathway to overturn valid election results. And always the asshole Ron fucking DeSantis eliminated two black congressional districts in Florida and created one of the few election police forces in the country, which is vaguely reminiscent of the Nazi brown shirts who rounded up the Jews. But there's another problem brewing in Florida politics. Online sleuths, including a group called Miami Against Fascism, have identified Republican Party members who appear to be Proud Boys or men who are closely affiliated with the far right. 
According to the New York Times Thursday, at least a half dozen current and former Proud Boys have secured seats on the Miami-Dade Republican oh Executive God. Committee, looking to kick some ass and influence local politics from the inside, I guess. And these guys make DeSantis look like pussycats. I mean, there are a few of them who are facing criminal charges for participating in the Capitol attack, but have somehow managed to join the leadership of the party and, in some cases, even run for local office. Their presence could completely reshape the straight-laced Miami-Dade Republican Party. That is, of course, the home of Jed Bush. Florida's Democratic Party is demanding an investigation into reports of possible voter registration irregularities after some people claim they were duped into changing their party affiliation. The party's chair sent a letter to Florida's Secretary of State expressing concern over reports that senior citizens in a Miami-Dade public housing complex unknowingly had their party changed after updating their voter registration with people who ended up working on behalf of the Florida Republican Party. And it comes at a time when Republicans everywhere are having to make a choice whether to pull hard to the right Election or restore fraud. their so-called Hello. conservative values. And once extremists get a foothold in the party, it will be hard to wrench it back from them. Unless, of course, law enforcement and the courts do it for you. After the Capitol riots, they regrouped, they dissolved their national leadership and encouraged chapter members to get involved with local leadership with the goal of amassing support in advance of the midterms. Proud Boys have also been showing up at local school board meetings to protest coronavirus mask mandates and the teaching of anti-racist curriculum. And where do you think they got the inspiration to organize in this way? Well, I'll tell you, it's Steve fucking Bannon. Yeah, the same Steve Bannon who's sowing chaos at the polls with his precinct strategy. I have no doubt that Mr. Bannon's scorn for our subpoena is real. But no one, and I repeat, no one, is above the law, and we need to hear from him. Well, now it's up to the Justice Department to decide whether it will criminally prosecute Steve Bannon. Earlier today, the House Judiciary Committee questioned Attorney General Merrick Garland about what he would do. The Department of Justice will do what it always does in such circumstances, will apply the facts and the law and make a decision consistent with the principles of prosecution. This is why you send criminals like Bannon to jail, because if you don't, they'll come back to bite you right in your fucking ass. Bannon is a dangerous man, an admitted fucking fascist, a Trump strategist, and now mentor to what might be the most radically right elected lawmakers in the country. I mean, think about it. Miami run by the Proud Boys. And if it can happen there, well... Do you want to play rough? Okay. Say hello to my new friend. Chris Barsanis, a Republican committee man and proud boy, said he started thinking about running for his seat about a year ago. He told the Times, and I'm going to quote, instead of sitting on the sidelines complaining about rhinos or whatever, I realized that in order to make changes, I had to be involved and be part of the process. The Republican Party's policies are unpopular with everyone, but their base, minority rule through voter suppression, is their only path to power. Attempts to prevent some Americans from voting is part of a larger effort to erase fundamental rights and create a MAGA-esque autocracy based on, of course, white Christian nationalism. But once you add the Trump-worshipping Proud Boys into the mix, all bets are off. 
Culpa, our guest, Norm Eisen, whose latest book, Overcoming Trumpery, is a must-read, especially as we gear up for the midterms and witness Republican candidates trying to mimic Trumpian tactics to get elected. The book also reveals the seven deadly sins of Trumpery. Eisen is a CNN legal analyst and the founder and executive chair of States United Democracy Center, a nonpartisan organization advancing free, fair, and secure elections. Eisen is an attorney and author who has served in a broad array of government roles, including special counsel and special assistant to President Barack Obama for ethics and government reform. In that role, Eisen was dubbed Mr. No and the ethics czar, well known for his tough anti-corruption approach to governance. As co-counsel on the House Judiciary Committee's first Trump impeachment, Eisen spent time with the Brookings Institute and other groups working to expose the myriad ways Trump and his cronies broke the law, not only on January 6th, but in their attempts to overturn the election as well. From exposing Trump's potential crimes in Georgia to suing the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, Eisen is a witness to history intent on making sure none of this ever happens again. Eisen has of late been increasingly busy preparing for the January 6th hearings that will begin later this week. He joins me today on Mea Culpa to give us the scoop on the committee's planned actions and intents. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Norm, your latest book, Overcoming Trumpery, sort of laid out a roadmap for how we as a nation could come back from the ethics failures. And I'm saying ethics, not epic. Right, since you are the <laughs> ethics czar, but the ethics failure and complete breakdown of our systems and norms during and after the Trump era. I mean, President Biden has now signed his own executive orders on ethics, along with several other bills like the For the People Act. So if you would, Norm, tell me, how are we doing so far? Do you think that we can save democracy or are we just plain toast? <laughs> Michael. Thank you for having me back on the podcast. Uh, it's always a pleasure. It's, oh, it's the pleasure is mine because, of course, your own um, energies and efforts and your own work are an example of the term that I use to title my book, Overcoming Trumpery. Uh, and I do, I, I'm, uh, 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 I'm, I'm mindful, of course, of um, the people all over the country who listen to your podcast um, and and want to understand how not okay we got Trump out of the White House is, is he coming back but more fundamentally his philosophy of governance the the book is the first to say there was a method to the madness of trumpery the way the former president governed and um uh, i describe it in the book michael as the seven deadly sins of trumpery and of course you saw them all up close it starts with the incessant lying the attacks on the rule of law the shamelessness and it culminates in the assault on democracy itself that is trumpery the book has thousands of examples but the good news is we threw trump with your help 
We threw Trump out of the White House. The 2020 election, a coalition came together, a bipartisan coalition. It was a referendum. Trumpery versus democracy. We overcame Trumpery once. I think if we all work together, we can do it again. There's some terrible Trumpery candidates around the country. My goodness. Uh, Doug Mastriano, he's a full-fledged election denier. Uh, He's embraced a big lie. He's the Republican and Trumpery candidate for governor in Pennsylvania. And we have AG candidates who are going to be on the general election ballot. And Secretary of State, for example, in Michigan, Trumpery candidates. So this Trumpery ticket is a problem. But, you know, the voters have also been rejecting some of these candidates. So I think there are solutions. As I like to say, hope comes in three boxes. The jury box, that's prosecution. The ballot box, that's voting. And the cable box, that's the January 6th hearings that are coming. Norm, have you seen some of the commercials by some of these Trumpery candidates? I mean, I saw this woman get up, and it was on one of the programs. And she goes, I believe in babies, bullets, guns. And Donald Trump. And I sat there and I was scratching my head. And I was like, oh, wait, she also said she believes in Jesus. And I sat there scratching my head. And I'm saying, get the fuck out of here. Are you kidding that that's going to be a commercial that you're going to put out and pay money for? Other people's money, no doubt, since nobody uses their own money. Other than, of course, Trump, which in and of itself was a lie. Right? So instead, she's talking about Jesus and babies and guns and bullets and donald trump i don't understand how she thinks but then again maybe it works i don't know but how can anybody think that that's a good commercial to put out when you have a guy who so blatantly tried to overthrow the government who's been lying since the day that he you know when he descended the escalator the golden escalator well michael the commercial is a perfect example of the hypocrisy Uh, the internal inconsistency of Trump. Because on the one hand, babies, you say you're pro-life. On the other hand, if you're in favor of bullets and guns, it's killing people. Look at the statistics. The United States, you know, we, we, we have by far the greatest number of children and adults who are being in this country. So you have the internal inconsistency between pro-gun and pro-life. Who better to celebrate in that kind of illogical world? I'm watching the fourth season or third season, the latest season of Stranger Things on uh, Netflix. And in that show, they have a whole parallel universe the upside down. They could easily call right, don't it. Don't tell me about it because I've seen. Trumpery. I've seen the first three seasons, no but I have not seen the fourth. Alert. Okay, no spoiler right. alert necessary for for to know that there's this parallel universe, the upside down. Well, they could call that the world of Trumpery because their values, truth, consistency, logic—it's all upside down. No place is that more evident. 
and I write about it in Overcoming Trumpery with my wonderful co-authors, experts who have analyzed every aspect of this uh, this method of Trump's style of governance, corrupt, perverse, but there is a philosophy, a sick one, um, with the seven featuring these seven features, the seven deadly sins of Trumpery. Um, uh, 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 nowhere do you see that more than in the seventh and the deadliest sin. And that's what these January 6th committee hearings are going to get into the attack on democracy. Okay? You can't say you want to, America's about democracy. If you want to make America great again, how could you attack the thing that the most fundamental thing that makes us great, that makes us what we are, democracy, with an attempted coup? So uh, uh, that commercial is a perfect microcosm of everything that is wrong with Trump. You know, what really bothers me the most about all of this, and I say this a lot, there has been so many illegal actions done by Donald Trump that he has not been held accountable for. We can start with the simplest, the campaign finance violation of the payment to Stormy Daniels. We can start with that, where I pled guilty to campaign finance violation, which was done at the direction of and for the benefit of Donald J. Trump. No, you don't have to take my word for it. Clearly, I didn't get any benefit out of Donald Trump having an affair with Stormy Daniels, right? I mean, that took place years before I was even working for him. And yet, that, which is just this small thing, sent me, and in part, to prison for three-year sentence. But Donald was never held accountable for the actions that he did. And then, of course, that got pushed aside because the next crazy thing came, right? The the Ukraine, the holding up the money for Ukraine. And then came the second impeachment. And then came, you know, the January 6th insurrection. And then a multitude of other illegalities in between here and there. And now all of a sudden we're talking about, oh, my God, right? The January 6th committee is going to get together. They're finally going to have live hearings. And they're finally going to put out a report like the Mueller report. What I say that we need to do, which is what, let's say, our, um, you know, Tish James here in New York, our attorney general is doing, hold him accountable for something, right? Now, that's a civil matter, not criminal. But if, in fact, that she's right about everything that she states, that will take his company. That will put him into bankruptcy once again, right? And the company will be no more. Does that stop him from his crusade? I'm not so sure at this point. I don't think he cares if he leaves the kids a single penny. Ivanka, you don't have to worry about because Jared has already grifted off the, you know, the UAE and Saudi Arabia to $3 billion. You got Don Jr. doing whatever stuff he's doing. Eric, who's as dumb as a stump, maybe has to maybe go work at McDonald's or something like that. But every, but this is the problem. We, we don't hold him accountable for any one thing and then just stay with it, right? We just move on to the next thing and the next thing. And that's not good. That's not good in order to protect democracy either. No, you know, when you look at the litany of um, charges that uh, Trump dodged uh, and uh, uh, you ask yourself, you know, you and I have both 
followed closely from different perspectives. You were an important witness. There was proof beyond a reasonable doubt uh, that Trump um, obstructed justice that Mueller investigated. The Ukraine behavior was, um, you know, that was uh, uh, extortion or bribery involving Vladimir Zelensky, a foreign leader, to release dirt on Trump's political opponent using almost $300 million of taxpayer dollars, okay? Uh, And then you look at the Cy Vance investigation, proof beyond a reasonable doubt of business crimes, and all of these areas, as stated by Mark Pomerantz and Terry Dunn, in all of these areas, um, uh, and you were a witness for them, you know the power of the proof. Trump has miraculously dodged accountability, but Michael, I think that he's uh, going to face accountability. And the one six hearings are going to delve into this. The most likely place where he's going to face accountability now is in the states, particularly, I think, in Georgia. Very intrepid prosecutor, Tish James. We're going to learn new and shocking facts about, I believe, about the conspiracy to um, to overturn the Georgia election. Conspiracy to overturn the election. That's not Tish James. Yes, no, I'm coming to Tish James. That's another example of a state leader like Tish James. That's Bonnie Willis, the DA. Tish James is very tough, like DA Willis in Georgia. I she is she has not dropped the case, unlike Alvin Bragg. Shameful what he did. This is not the Alvin Bragg fan club on the Mega Culpa podcast. (laughs) And you were a witness, so you really got jerked around by his decision. Terrible. Um when there, why would he give a pass to Trump when there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt? But Tish James is much tougher. And I think she is looking, we know she's looking at civil matters. She does have some criminal jurisdiction. I'm not ready to rule out that she decides to go that direction. So that's, he's clearly exposed in Georgia where there's already a very active special grand jury. Who knows what Tish James will do? And then you come to the Department of Justice. I know you've had your differences with DOJ, including that, that, that atrocious behavior where they tried to throw you back. They did throw you back Not in tried. custody. They did throw me they back. They did throw you back in custody. Uh, and you got, fortunately, you, you had good lawyers. You had the advantage that not every defendant has. You were able to get a judge, a federal judge, to slap them down. And you're entitled to answers about how that all happened. You still need answers. But there's a new administration at the Department of Justice. I do think Merrick Garland is going to, there's already signs that they're working their way up the ladder. They just issued a grand jury subpoena to Trump's aide, Peter Navarro, for all communications with Trump in the area relating to the election overthrow. So, who needs I Peter? Norm, Norm, there's Norm. Who the accountability Peter is coming. Okay, but who needs Peter Navarro? We already have 2,300 plus text messages from Mark Meadows showing yeah. the coordination, right? What do you need? How many more people do you need in order, right, to to demonstrate that a crime was committed? You only need one. There's burner phones. There's Mark Meadows. There's Jim Jordan. There's, I mean, there's Josh Hawley. There's Don Jr. There's Eric Trump and Laura Trump and Donald himself. For, what is it? For 187 
seven minutes disappears yeah, enjoying the, the shit going on in front in the cat. This Knock is just insane at this point. You know, sake. and I'm going to tell you, I don't think the DOJ is any better today than it was under Trump. And let me just give you a quick personal. So as you know, I have a lawsuit against the United States government. Yes for the unconstitutional remand of me back to Otisville. 15 additional days well, in solitary confinement. It's, it's right? so awful. It sure is. And so there are documents that we're looking for. And I then filed under FOIA, the Freedom of Information, requests for all the documents pertaining to me and to this incident. And we did it with specificity and so on. And they acknowledged, because of the court ruling, that I was entitled to an expedited response yes. from the FOIA office. Absolutely. Okay. Well, eight months later, I finally received, this is expedited for government, eight months later, I finally received a document that states there are no documents. How's that possible? That will satisfy. It's not. That will satisfy. And so then I hired a lawyer, a guy named Mark Zaid, who's yeah, like, this he's is my lawyer his too. world. I'll tell you my he, Mark Zaid stories. He's the best. He, he's the best. You so, have excellent you know what taste they ultimately lawyers because you also hired Donya Perry, who I often write with. No one better than she Donya. Got you out Absolutely. Of, she got you out of that wrongful reincarceration. She's a powerhouse. So, Norm, I hired, she is a powerhouse. And you hired Zaid is a great on FOIA stuff. Okay. So, how about this? They then respond back. There's 486,681 um, documents that they will need to review and turn over. But in exchange for this, and it's, it's like almost a year now. They can only provide me with 500 documents a month, which means that I basically have to wait 92 years before which I get all the documents. You understand why I say that the DOJ is fucked you up? Can't. That there is absolutely... You can. Yes, I understand you why. Can't make this, I don't you can't support, make this stuff up. And I want to be clear. I support my friend Michael on all the stuff relating to your case. I support democracy. But you can't judge... The entire DOJ, by the way, they're handling your FOIA case. Garland is a man of integrity. I believe that the career prosecutors who are investigating these cases are going to take a hard look. Does the evidence substantiate the existence of federal crimes against Trump or those around him? And if it does, they're going to make a recommendation. He's not going to play politics. If there's a case, he's going to treat the former president the same as anyone. That is what led me to publish uh, my report just out, Big Brookings report, Trump on trial, a guide to the 1-6 hearings, yes. and the question of criminality, Michael. That's the question since I first met you, basically, well, that you you've been me. asking. It's criminal. Why isn't the guy getting prosecuted? His time is coming. Yeah. What okay, the then you tell me then, what's your assessment on this newly released information, and who do you think will ultimately be prosecuted? Well, um, the, um, you know, the, the information continues to come out showing uh, that there was a likely conspiracy um, to uh, defraud the United States when Donald Trump tried to overthrow the election, including uh, uh, putting baseless uh, slates of electors 
uh, forward. They were encouraged by the Trump campaign and uh, trying to trick. You know, you cannot overturn the election. He was trying to pressure Congress. It's also likely that that was an obstruction of Congress. That's those statutes are 18 U.S.C. 271 and 18 U.S.C. 1512, respectively, for conspiracy to defraud and obstruction of Congress. Don't take my word for it. A very respected federal judge in California said that Trump likely and his co-conspirators likely violated those statutes. So I think that the new information we've seen, like the perhaps the most important is the body of Mark Meadows texts that have come out. Um, I think that um, that the that that is going to be um, um, uh, elaborated upon. We're going to learn a lot more in these uh, January 6th committee hearings. And the level of proof is going to rise every time they hold a hearing. We know that these same questions are being investigated actively by the, the DA we mentioned in Georgia, Fannie Willis. I believe it is very likely that there's going to be charges filed as a result. And well, we'll see what happens in on the federal the side. These 1-6 committee hearings, that's why we did our report. The 1-6 committee, and we talk about both the federal and state law in there that uh, is implicated by these uh, new, re new document releases. I think that um, the uh, quantum of proof is going to move even more in the direction of prosecution by the time we get to the end of June and the end of these hearings. You know, well, look, Norm, I always say this since the first day we met. You're an incredibly optimistic I guy. I couldn't get out so, of bed in the yes, morning without my optimism. <laughs> so, based on America's 230-year-long history of reinventing itself, it appears that you're hopeful about America's prospects going forward. Now, answer me this, then. What are the flaws in our system that we could fix right now that would ensure a comeback? Because... Unlike you, I'm not an optimist. I've been really kicked in the ass with steel tip boots, right? So I'm not an optimist. I would love to hear your take on this. Uh, well, uh, it is a it is a challenge for my optimism, Michael, because we had the opportunity. Yes, we had the opportunity. But I'm going to tell you how you know optimism is on the ballot and why I think uh, why I'm hopeful. Um, in Overcoming Trumpery, I do write about each of these areas and with my co-authors explain exactly what legislative and other uh, fixes are needed. For example, President Trump's emoluments. He took constitutionally prohibited, prohibited foreign government payments uh, while he was in the White House. Uh, we need to. That's in the Constitution, clearly. It's not enough. We need to have a bill explaining uh, that uh, what the consequences are, maybe making it a crime to take the monuments. So there's a set of fixes like that in ethics, in rule of law, making DOJ more independent, uh, in uh, addressing weaknesses in um, our voting systems, campaign finance, and on and on. Okay, Congress didn't move those matters. Does that mean we should quit with these remedies? No. We need to keep going. If we can't get it in Congress, what can we get moved through state legislatures in the states uh, that are favorable to us? For example, I've been a proponent 
uh, in the state legislatures. One of the things I read about redistricting. We've had ups and downs in redistricting, but every single place where the Democrats put out a fair map, where they tried to do the right thing, they won. And as a result, we're in a much better position than we would have otherwise been. Now that sometimes the Democrats were not successful across the board, but I think when you look overall, it's turned out better than we might have hoped. So I think there's things that can be done. That's done in state legislatures. That's an example. Let's move other stuff through state legislatures when we can. But I take my most hope, you know, at the ballot box, the people rejected trumpery. We've seen, for example, really? they refused to accept uh, uh, the Trumpist um, big lie candidates really? for governor and secretary of state in Georgia. Um, I don't know about they that one. Yes, away. maybe in those two states. But he did, you know, he picked some, he picked some, some real winners. He some elsewhere, like that, Mastriano. That he did. Mastriano, I'm That's right. called shot, Michael. Mastriano is going to lose. That is going to be a referendum on Trumpery in November. And the good people of Pennsylvania, I married one, the good people of Pennsylvania are going to throw him out on his keister. Um, they do not want an election denier as their next governor. So, you know, I and then the jury box, I think there'll be prosecutions. And I think these hearings, the cable box, the hearings are going to explain to America, hey, this is what we write about in our Brookings report. It's not a January 6th insurrection. It began months before when Trump said he wouldn't accept the result unless he won. Yep. And it continued it's after and it's still fraud. continuing today with the Mastrianos of the world. The insurrection never ended. It metastasized. So I think the hearings will help illuminate that. Yeah, well, let's not forget two years and two years and some change before that. I told the world that Trump would never accept the peaceful, you know, uh, the results, and that there would never be a peaceful transfer of power under the guy. And he's never going to stop. So the only way to stop him is to hold him accountable, as far as I'm concerned, for his crimes. But let me ask you this, Norm, because you worked for President Obama. Did you foresee just how much his presidency would ignite a white panic, if you will? I mean, do you see the recent adoption of conspiracies like white replacement theory and hate groups like White Lives Matter as a reaction to his being no question. elected? And also, do you think that a regressive president like Trump was the voters will call it a knee jerk reaction to the changing color of American politics? Well, uh, look, Trump um, stands uh, for racism. Michael, he doesn't try to hide it. When he says in Charlottesville that there were good people on both sides, you mean that the, the people yep. who were marching with tiki torches on white replacement theory and saying the Jews will not replace us? Uh, I don't think anybody takes a tiki torch and chants the Jews will not replace us is a good person. I'm sorry. So there's no question. Trump has given aid, comfort, encouragement. He was signaling those militia groups, Michael, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. Um, he was signaling the them. The one percenters. The exactly. three percenters. He was signaling them um, on in the run-up to the January 6th insurrection. 
Um, so, uh, and these are avowed, these include uh, avowed racists. So there's no question that Trump has given aid and comfort uh, to uh, these kinds of individuals. And uh, there's no there's no place for that. Norm, do you remember early on, and I forget who was the, um, the moderator in that, they asked Donald a very, very specific question. Do you denounce David Duke? And what he stand stands back and for. Stand and he by, could not get, boys. maybe it was Sean Hannity. And, and he could he not get Donald to come flat out and say, I absolutely denounce this man. I denounce everything Who that he stands for, starting with A and finishing with Z. There's nothing that the two him. of us agree on. Right, and he could not get him to do anything. In and the Proud fact, Boys turned that into a T-shirt. That became their motto. Stand back really and stand by. Is think that he could bullshit every viewer of that program when he said, "I don't really know much about the guy." Look, that's that in and of itself should have disqualified him no, from no a second term or even the, a first term. Yep. It should be a disqualifying fact. You do not know who David Duke is? Seriously? Bullshit. Considering we already know that that's a lie, one of the 85 plus thousand lies that Donald Trump, you know, imparted upon the United States? 30,000. What's that? 30,000. Washington Post counted 30,000 30, lies. 30,000 lies. Well, uh, maybe, I'm no, sure I think if you count you may have been and sleeping after, half the time. I'm sure if you count before, <laughs> before and after the presidency, it gets way above, way above 30,000. You know, um, the, um, the, 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 of course, we write a lot about those lies in overcoming trumpery. Um, the, um, the, the David Duke one is, is such a good example. The, I do, I, maybe you'll tell me I'm too optimistic, but Michael, that was part of what the American people rejected in 2020. They had enough of it. The whole trumpery show, all of the seven deadly sins, it was a referendum on trumpery. And I believe that if he runs again, that he'll meet the same fate. Part of the reason I wrote this book is to sound the alarm now early on Trump's heirs. I didn't call it overcoming Trump. Trumpery not only stands for this philosophy uh, of governance, these seven deadly sins. And by the way, we document that with hundreds of examples and case studies to prove that this is the definition of Trumpery. It also includes his heirs, the Ron DeSantis's, Josh Hawley's, the people who are exploiting uh, trumpery around the country. And of course, we're seeing many of them running uh, for the Dr. Oz, J.D. Vance. Don't tell me that J.D. Vance doesn't know better than Donald Trump's pack of lies, the largest of all the big lie that he won the election. Uh, Vance knows better, the primary candidate uh, uh, who uh, got Trump's blessing in Ohio and won uh, for the United States Senate. Dr. Oz knows better. 
They're oh. kissing Donald Trump's ring for oh. one reason and one reason alone, self-advancement. That's another one of the deadly sins of Trumpery. Sacrifice the public interest to your personal political gain. Donald Trump will sacrifice anyone or anything for his own gain. And these, these fools, these absolute fools, have learned from the best... The worst lessons of life. And they're just, as you said, they're just following suit. But let me say this to you, Norm, because you acted as special counsel during the impeachment hearings. And this is a two-part question for you. First and foremost, why weren't the impeachment hearings more of a blow to Trump's presidency? And second, well, actually, it's a three-parter, right? So why weren't the impeachment hearings more of a blow to Trump's presidency? What could they have done better? or differently and then the second part what can the january 6th committee in comparison do to ensure a better outcome because those impeachment hearings to those people who love donald bullshit bullshit witch hunt right to those people that hate donald trump fuck him he's guilty he's guilty not one person not one person changed their position as a result of those hearings. Well, you know, it's actually very interesting because we did some, in the first impeachment based on Ukraine, we did find significant movement on some of the issues, including the issue um, that, um, that, that you're asking about um, when, you, when you ask, uh, you know, um, what, what, what could we have done uh, differently, what could have made a difference? What could have moved the people? No, I'm sorry, Norm, not to interrupt. No, not to interrupt you. Let's try to stay, you know, yeah. in the in the sequence, sure. right? So why weren't the okay? So why weren't they more of a why blow? Why they more of a blow? We were on the precipice in the first impeachment because of Fox, uh, Michael. Um, we needed uh, a key witness, um, and the key witness was John Bolton. Trump's national security advisor. He was the one person who I think could have turned around those hearings. And you ask about, you say, um, you know, they didn't convert people, but actually, by the end of those hearings, a supermajority of Americans, there was material movement in the polls, agreed that even ones who supported Trump said, hey, the impeachment team should have the right to call witnesses. The problem is that Bolton would not cooperate. He insisted on a subpoena. We didn't have the votes in the Senate to issue the subpoena. And um, that really was the, the, Bolton was the missing ingredient. I think if we had gotten Bolton, uh, we would have been able to move the needle. But look, the real problem with those hearings was the senators were scared to of his own party were scared to take on trump and here's what's so interesting only in the end only mitt romney uh was willing to vote to impeach trump and michael when he crossed the aisle to do that do you know he was the first senator in the history of the united states to vote to convict uh, a president of his own party in an impeachment trial. So that was a historic um, uh, uh, first. Obviously, we needed 17. We got 
one. The second impeachment, by contrast, was seven times more effective. They got seven uh, GOP senators to say, hey, the impeachment based on the president's inciting the January 6th insurrection is wrong. It still fell short. It still fell short. Um, but it was it was better. Um, I think it's that failure of courage by the Republican senators, you know, but I don't think we could have. I think I I have to say I was part of the first impeachment team. I covered the second impeachment for CNN. Those were strong impeachments. What can the one six committee learn? They've learned one of the most important lessons. They've taken the time to talk to the witnesses and they've gotten a ton of witnesses from inside the Trump White House. We're going to see video footage of Ivanka and Jared. That's going to be extraordinary. People will watch. So I think they're already a step ahead in getting those critical witnesses. They don't have to meet that Senate threshold, 67 votes. That's a good thing. Um, You know, Kevin McCarthy was so stupid in not putting... um, in, in rejecting every effort to have seats on that committee and walking away from that committee, it uh, gives him no ability to uh, get in the way of the truth. So I think we're going to get a lot of truth. I think they will make strides that we were unable to make, building on. They learn from these first two impeachments. So I think they'll, they'll do even better. And I think you're, we're going to come out of these hearings with a majority of the American people understanding better what happened before, during, and after January 6th, that the insurrection has not stopped, and Donald Trump's part in it, and the others who are responsible. And May I tell you one thing, Norm? I would love to be able to bottle Hello? your optimism and sell it, because I would then, I, I would then trump, for lack of a better word, Elon Musk is the richest guy in the world, right? I mean, your, optimi- your optimism is like nothing I've, I've uh, ever seen before. And I wish I could share that same what optimism. What do you think is going to happen? Because yeah. I, I, I think the January 6th committee, like the Mueller report, like the impeachment one and two, I think it's just going to fall flat on its face. I really do. And yes, people will watch Ivanka. People will watch Jared. But you're never going to get out of it the things that you want, where Ivanka sits there and, you know, has the fan blowing so her, you know, her extensions and shit are flowing, and she looks into the camera, puckers her lips after putting on some lipstick and shit and turns around and says, yes, my daddy, you know, daddy is a terrible, terrible man, and he was very happy about this. You're not going to get that smoking gun, that Ironside moment to those of, you know, you that remember the old show, Ironside, where not everything Ironside. comes The so thing is, you don't need Mason. it. We all saw yeah, it on TV. It was the no. same actor. You're right on that Planet. one. It was very Mason. So... So you're not you're not going to get this, and what you're going to get out of this is a historical document that's going to show just how fragile this country's democracy really is. That everything our founding fathers were afraid of, Donald Trump became, which is that somebody who held the power of the presidency would want to be more than a president, would want to be an autocrat, a monarch, a dictator, and would use the power of the office to effectuate that. That's what we're going to need to see. But yet, but yet the Republicans are so good at 
advertising and marketing and bumper sticker slogans. It's all about the economy. It's all about your gas. It's all about not being able to get, you know, formula for your baby. Yeah, I get it. Those are mistakes. But without democracy, you're never getting your unfamiliar Similac. You're never getting anything. It's going to all be dictated to you what you can and can't do. And I think people are so short-sighted by the Republican narrative that the Democrats have not, literally, they have not responded. Like, and I talk about Jamie Harrison all the time. You know, you want... Why don't you get you, me, let's get the Midas brothers, let's go get Lincoln Project, Rick Wilson, Tara Setmayer, let's go get David Hogg and a slew of other people, Roe v. Wade, no good, right? You talk about, you know, then we're going to talk about a half a dozen of the gun, sensible gun legislation, right? That's good, but nobody wants... Heather, um, it looks like a little bit got cut off, so I'm going to rewind... A little bit. Of the um, Gulf War, George H.W. Bush had over 90% approval. Uh, so, you know, those external challenges bring us, tend to bring us together as a country. Um, uh, so, I, I, I guess I want to answer your question by saying that, um, and again, it does go to my does go to my desire. I get up in the morning and I, I, I want to be realistic about the challenges we face, but I want to be hopeful about how we can overcome them just to inspire myself and, and my family and friends a little bit. I talk to these trumpery adherents on a retail basis. When I was just in Arizona, my Uber driver was a Trump adherent. Sometimes meet them on the street when they visit Washington, D.C., even family members who are supporters, people in my synagogue. And when you talk to them one-on-one, these my family members who've fallen for trumpery for whatever reason, they're not evil, wicked people. They're not the same people who are marching they're just through horrible. Charlottesville. And well, uh, so yeah, sometimes they are. They're fucking now. racists. When I say, when I quote, I paraphrase your old boss. All racists support there Trump. Are good people on both sides of Trumpery. The problem is, these are cult members, Michael. They've fallen into a cult. How do you deal with it if you have a family member who's in a cult? What do you do? I don't know. I was in that cult. How do you? Well, I don't know. I read Maya Culpa. You always. I was. I was. Yes. I yes, was in, you, I was were, in the you were. You were. And you came to, you, you, you came out of it when you saw the consequences. Let's face it. You saw the devastating consequences for you and for your family as a result of being in the cult. To your credit, unlike these people who Steve Bannon or Mark Meadows or Peter Navarro, who we talked about. Or Dan Scavino. Dan Scavino, they're still in the cult. Look, even Ivanka and Jared cooperated. Um, over a thousand people have cooperated, many from within Trump's circle. So how do you deal with people? That's the way I will answer your question. Well, they we were subpoenaed. 30% of Americans who, and some of my dearest friends, Michael, who I'm, I'm good with on every other issue. But when you bring up Trumpery or Donald Trump or the policies of Trump or some policy that they love, it's like they fall into a trance, many of them.
How do you deal Let's with them? About, how do you deal with them? With the answer is my one of my mentors, the late great beloved uh, John Lewis, who said to me when I was doing the impeachment, the day we voted in the House for impeachment, he saw me in the hallway. The day of one of the votes, one of the big hearings, he saw me in the hallway and he grabbed me by the arm. He loved to do this. He would clutch my arm with that strong grip. As he said, Norm, impeach him, but do it with love. He was giving me a very important message. Don't fall into hate. And we have to deal with this. 30% of our country are in a cult right now. We have to deal with them with love. I'm thinking more a good solid slap across the side. I know. It's not the New York way. It's not even the human way, right? You can't, you can't have somebody sit there and promote bullshit and then just simply be, uh, love them to death so that they stop. It's just one line. And let me Re- talk to you about, them. for example, no, one argue with here. them. Talk to them. You Listen to them. Argue. Didn't your mom ever te- didn't your mom or your grandma ever tell you you can't argue with stupid? Right? <laughs> These people are stupid. Not at all. And they're no. they're thinking no, I'm thinking they're thinking right is now stupid, no. it's wrong. They, they have me, wrong let, ideas. Let's talk about this one. They have wrong ideas. And that's stupid. They're... They can be reasoned with. I converted two Republicans. Let's talk about another issue right. that's stupid. Guns. Yes. Right? Guns. There are there are apparently like 400 million guns floating around this country. Can you imagine 400 million guns? That's more guns than we have people living in this country. How in the hell are we ever going to make any headway on a behemoth problem like guns and gun safety, especially? When you've got an entire Those are just party, the registered and I'm talking guns, about the GOP, probably. whose identity is wrapped up in the Second Amendment and having the right, right, to protect themselves. You see, Norm, I can't see how any of their excuses hold up anymore. But guns are a, they're, they're a, they're a lot, they're, they're like a heck of a lot of people are willing to die for. I mean, where do we even start here? Knowing, and by the way, I believe in the Second Amendment. I myself, you may remember this, I myself was licensed to carry in the city and state of New York. I was licensed to. I believe in it. But an AR-15? Seriously? Well, we have... By an 18-year-old? Huh? We have 120 guns in the United States for every 100 people. It's more than twice the amount. It tallies out, as you point out, uh, because we have... Uh, over 300 million Americans, it tallies out to about 400 million guns. The next highest, by the way, are Yemen and Serbia. Yemen has about 50 guns per 100 people, and Serbia has about 40 guns per 100 people. So it's no wonder that you see the that you see the number of um, that's because of, of the these, weapons dealers, uh, arms dealers, gun-related incidents in the United States. Stocking up. And I think that uh, you know, uh, I think that it is a tragedy for our country, and it is. There are two issues at the moment that are the hardest ones for my optimism, and by the way, uh, they're the hardest ones, and that's guns, and it's where you started us, Michael. In your usual shrewd way, guns and abortion, right? Pro gun, how can you have be pro gun and pro life? 
when the guns are used to kill so many people. And the politics, I'm much more... Hi, babies. I won't say I'm pessimistic, but I'm at my least optimistic when I look at what the Supreme Court is about to do, what they have done on guns, with the Heller decision, and what they're about to do on abortion, and the way that this... But it goes back to our 30%, because actually it turns out... Most Americans, and this is good news, Michael, most Americans do want reasonable gun regulation. Most Americans do support uh, uh, reasonable choice options for women. So um, there is a, uh, a majority, a supermajority on these issues. The problem is that the politics are broken. And by the way, when I was talking to you about how do you approach members of a cult, when I talk one-on-one, with my friends and family Get him about, away from Trump, the cult. about guns, about choice. That's the only way Those you can people, do it. when you do it in a non-hostile way, they shut down if you're hostile. But when you, you take the time, the patience, you use the arguments and the evidence, reasoning, they do thaw out. They do admit, oh, that's a good point. So that's, unfortunately, we have to do that with over 100 million Americans. That's a lot of work. So I'm a little less yeah, uh, optimistic. Start by shutting down Fox. Save, save the time in the in the debate. And name Fox a, as co-conspirator. All right, trust me when I'm yeah. telling you this. Because yeah. what happens is they've been watching, they've been watching Fox News and Newsmax and OAN, and they have all the counterpoints, which are predicated on lies and bullshit and alternative facts. And they're just going to tell you your facts are wrong. Right. You it, you know, guns don't kill people. People kill people. Right. That's just what they do. But you know what? As we're moving on, I'm going to tell you, because one of the big problems that we have in this country, and you and I have talked about this, is dark money. Right. Dark money, like the NRA, has infiltrated our system and for the most you know and for the most part completely ruined the reputation as far as i'm concerned of the supreme court because we know that trump's three federalist society judges were all bought and paid for so then how do we ever take back the court and further than and further to that you know how can we overturn citizens united and keep dark money out of politics altogether it's a very important um question for us to end on i tackle it extensively the contents of the policy uh in overcoming trumpery in 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 my political lifetime michael we had a um filibuster proof majority in the senate we had a powerful majority in the House, Stop the and we had the White House. That was when I uh, went to work for Barack Obama. The first bus in from his swearing-in, we went to the White House, the skeleton crew, to take the keys from the Bush people. Um, we will. That moment will come again, and the, the, we are going to need to do make a series of structural changes when that moment comes. We have got to. In the filibuster, yeah. the founding Stop fathers it. never envisioned that there would you would need uh, a, a sixty vote majority in the Senate to do anything significant. And the first thing we do when we end the filibuster, or one of the first things we do, we've got to increase the size of the Supreme Court. This is not a legitimate Supreme Court. This Supreme Court exists because um, uh, they blocked Merrick Garland 
And then the same people who said, oh, no, Obama can't get his nominee in a uh, he can't get his nominee in an election year. They rushed Amy Coney Barrett through when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died in the very tail end of an election year for a president who was on his way out of office. We can't have that. So it's not a legitimate court. We're going to have to change the filibuster in the Senate. We're going to have to change the structure of the court. And then we'll be able to get some of the policies we need. And we need to build towards those majorities, just putting one foot in front of another and uh, keeping the, uh, the American project in mind. Uh, and uh, uh, that is the task. And now we have to get to work on it. Okay, but you know, like I do, that that whole concept about increasing the size of the Supreme Court, which is permissible, it's permissible under the Constitution, is not going to happen. Why isn't, why isn't it going to happen? Because it doesn't serve the benefit of the GOP. And they will do everything within which to stop the increase. And as you may have heard, Joe Biden said the other day, and correctly, you know, that's the one thing that you have to love about him. It's his, it's his honesty and his authentic um, you know, nature where he said, I don't have the right to just go ahead and wow. do that. I have the right for executive orders. Trump, in the other hand, would turn around and say, fuck you, I'm the king. Norman, you don't seem to understand. I am the king. If I want 32 people, 33 people yeah. on the Supreme Court, if I want 61 people, 61 persons on the Supreme Court, I can have whatever I want because I am Donald. I am King Donald and no one's going to tell me what to do while I'm president. And, and that's the problem. But it's also the solution. Because that attitude led the American people to throw him out. We are going to have to muddle through. It is terrible. I cannot bring my usual optimism to bear on the gun problem or the abortion problem. We are going to be in a bad place for a while. But we have no choice but to vote, to turn out, to build. We have a rock to build on, Michael. Super majorities of Americans, fully 70 percent, more than two thirds of the country believe in the right solutions on guns, on choice and on trumpery. So we just have to figure out how to tap that 70 percent. And uh, we got to work at it every day. And the answer to that is something I talk about on Mea Culpa all the time. It's joining these types of movements like the yes. Mea Culpa movement and others and getting out there and voting. But more than Vote. more than just that, it's you, you have to. And we need, need, need desperately the Democratic Party, the DNC, Jamie Harrison. We have to get the proper messaging in order to combat the lies, the misinformation, the disinformation, the malinformation being put out and spewed daily and multiple times daily by the GOP. Otherwise, you know, I'll have zero optimism. Well, I can't have that happen. I can't have you have I come on your show and leave you with even less optimism than you started. That would be wrong. I want to be clear. I'm realistic, right? Let's, but we can achieve. We can start by achieving accountability for Trump and those around him, Michael. Your voice, this podcast is important. Hope comes in three boxes, the ballot box, the jury box, and the cable box. So let's achieve that 
and then let's build on that going forward. I'm Unplugs so my grateful cable to you box. for having me back on the podcast. I love it. Norm, it's so good to see you. Thank you, my friend. And rest assured, you will be back because I need your optimism. I wouldn't have it any other way. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, my friend. What a great guy, man. And now for today's Mayor Great Club, podcast. With mass shootings happening literally every day, Biden's speech pleading with Congress to pass safe gun laws echoed the chants he heard on the streets of Uvalde. Do something. Biden, though certainly receptive to the country's pain, shows no sign of backing down on this issue. And it's about damn time we see Joe Biden, the fighter, use every tool afforded to him by the presidency to stop this crisis of domestic terrorism. That's not just killing our kids, but killing our collective spirit. How much more carnage are we willing to accept? Biden calling out Republicans, demanding that they end their decades-long blockade of safe gun control measures is exactly what's needed. Biden finally sounded like he'd reached a breaking point when he said, and I quote, the fact that the majority of the Senate Republicans don't want any of these proposals even to be debated or come up for vote, I find unconscionable. Yeah, it's not only unconscionable, it's fuck, it, it's a uh, symptom of the rampant, endemic, let's see if that's the right word, corruption in this country, and the Im- impunity and immunity of all these freaking criminals. We need to lock up all the criminals... Trump, of course, and uh, all these Republicans that supported his insurrection and attacked their colleagues. Basically, they should be charged with terrorism. We can't. We can um, accept no less. I will accept nothing less than freaking terrorism charges. Terrorism and treason. And, you know, let the let them deal with the fucking charges. That's what happened. Terrorism, treason, sedition, insurrection, and election fraud. Five magical, five magical charges. And let them deal with that. I'll help, I'll help build evidence. Volunteer volunteer but what's got to be done call the department of justice that's where it's at man if i could get a million people to lobby anything an army if trista's army of lobbyists of self self-proclaimed lobbyists self-described lobbyists if you want to be my lobbyist uh, send me an email or or to uh, tweet me or something tweet me on social media um, and hashtag Trista for Governor, and also it will put you into a drawing for a free box of, of very pricey Harry Potter <clears throat> memorabilia and merchandise, merch, Harry Potter merch. So, uh, yeah, do that. Become a lobbyist for your country. I'll... This, I think this, this box has like a $800 value. In the Harry Potter merch world, for a collector. So, if you like Harry Potter, and you want to be, you want to help protect your country, become a lobbyist. 
Hashtag me, Trista for governor. You'll be putting a free into a drawing. <gasps> However many times you hashtag me. So, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to express any doubts that anybody's going to do that. <laughs> um, but because, especially because I'm being freaking, freaking, um, geofenced by DHS, Michael. DHS, will you, uh, Michael, will you, uh, oh, you, well, you can still advise me, um, uh, I have invited Michael Cohen to be on my podcast, and this is phenomenal, man, this is amazing, this, uh, this podcast, I'm also going to cover Mary L. Trump's podcast, I heard I heard one and it wasn't quite as hard-hitting as this one is and uh, we all need to hear this this podcast right now this, this entire country needs to stop whatever it's freaking doing and listen to this commentator because this guy is the guy who knows him best actually paid the $130,000 hush money to Stormy Daniels <laughs> that's how and he's the one who got put in jail for it. So, uh, not Trump. So, uh, now he, and, and he's, uh, obviously a dedicated family man, which uh, I, uh, respect. He's, you know, he, he, uh, dropped out of the rat race for his family. So that's great. That shows he's a good person to me. And so we all need to become more critical. And uh, by the way, Mary L. Trump is a psychiatrist, and she, in her book, I read, I read some chapters of her book a long time, uh, a while back, a couple years ago. Now, on my other podcast, you can try to find it if you want. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm going to do a search on, uh, Marielle Trump's, um, podcasts, uh, too much and never enough. If there's an audio book. If it, there isn't an audio book, maybe I can volunteer. Wouldn't that be a smart move, Trista? That'd be a real smart move. Okay, and um, anyway, let's get back to the show. This is this is very, very, very important stuff. I'll listen up. But I like action better. Biden and the Democrats can't quit now. It's time to start naming names and stop pretending that most Republicans and Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema aren't being paid yeah. to sit down and shut the fuck up while killers run rampant in our streets. As we head into the midterms, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We have to stay angry, folks. We have to call out the lies when we see them. Call on our representatives, volunteers, poll watchers to counterbalance the actions Republicans are taking to steal elections and upend our electoral system. And keep pushing to repeal the Second Amendment and break the NRA. It's just a matter of policy change. It's that fucking easy. If they make it hard, we vote them out. 
across the board, I'd like to see Democrats get tougher and stop playing ball with Republicans who are living in an alternate universe where Biden's not the real president and anyone who's not a white Christian Which is should the be enemy. considered sedition. Local ignorance is the enemy, and the truth is all that matters. And thanks for listening. Maya Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up. Midas Touch and LSJ Freaking Media, great job. and it's written and produced oh, by yeah, Jimmy. Midas Touch is executive producers are Jared Gustav, Jimmy Jelen, myself, Touch. Michael Cohen, and Phil Alberstadt. Our editor show. is Lisa Orkin. It may be a new day politically, but AF. nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. Yep, in orange folks, jumpsuits and behind so bars. As I guide you through the twists so they're and turns not terrorizing the us. Process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, which they'll continue to do. Unless we lock them up. Maya Culpa. Is my mea culpa? Wake up, Mike. Very cool theme song. This my mea culpa.